I don't know that I could say that running saved my life, but it's certainly been there throughout my life at really important moments. As a kid, I could run for peace and for safety from a violent home. It meant that I could run uh, quite long distances and I could actually increase my distance um, every time there was a problem in the house. A few years ago, I had melanoma surgery and that was quite shocking to me, but running gave me the discipline to continue my recovery and something to focus on. Last year, I had a seizure, which was a shock um, to everybody, uh, especially myself, and that affected uh, my movement and speech to quite a, a significant degree. And running was actually the thing that I was able to focus on in order to help to help me to move again. Uh, and I was able to complete a 50-kilometre trail run uh, late last year. So running might not have directly saved my life necessarily, but it has certainly given me the scope to continue to live my life at various times. And I always go back to it. Welcome to episode 9 of the Explore Running Podcast. It's me, Callum Crichton, and I've got a guest host tonight. Uh, Ex-interviewee Dave Gilmore is joining us. Hi, Dave. Hey, Callum. How's it going? Good. Good. Yourself? Yeah, all good. Thank you. Awesome. Right. Thank you very much for stepping in. Pretty last minute. Uh, Jenny had to go and do some mum duties or something. I can't remember what it was. Uh, Some sort of sports tournament or something last minute, so... She's unable to join us, but Dave's um, stepped in right at the last minute. So, um, as always, a quick intro, welcome to the podcast, and I always beg you every week to send us your audio clips, how running has saved your life, or you can start off by saying, I love running because, and we'll feature your clips at the start of the of the show. Um, all right, so since last episode which is just a couple of weeks ago um, we'll just normally we do an update with uh, me and Jenny's running but Dave what have you been up to the last couple of weeks uh, I had the delightful pleasure of being stuck in Houston for the last couple of weeks so um, the, the great thing about Houston is that it's warm but the bad thing about Houston is that there's uh, absolutely zero hills or um, anything interesting to run on so <laughs> been, a, been a lot of uh, uh, concrete and tarmac and and uh, flat surfaces, but uh, back to the trails this week, which is welcome. Aye, cool. I thought you were going to say the best thing about Houston is the heat, and the worst thing about Houston is the heat. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so yeah, for a guy like you who is um, those who have listened to the previous episode where we spoke to Dave about his first ever hundred mile uh, race last year, um, I can't remember which number episode that is, three or four or something. Go back and listen to it. But um, yeah, you'll know that uh, Dave isn't uh, trail running and running up and down hills and stuff like that. So running on concrete and tarmac around the flat is pretty dull week for you, uh, or two weeks for you out there. Um, so how do you um, do you do do you do anything that replicates what you would have done if you were at home, or do you just have to get on with running on the flat and just 
keep running of some sort. Yeah, just really just kept the kept the legs sticking over and tried to find some decent trails, but the like the the trail definition in Houston is somewhat different from what we would uh, consider here a trail in the UK. So, um, so yeah, just you know, just trying to keep it keep it easy and with a uh, with a few kind of uh, strides and reps built in there were good, but uh, no kind of you know specific specific kind of sessions, unfortunately. Ah, cool. All right. Well, my my training has gone really well actually the last couple of weeks. So I've as I said in the last episode, I'd um, last middle of last year, I'd sort of been doing a lot less specific running stuff. Um, so I went back to play football, and uh, and the running I was doing was geared towards the, the twelve hour Mormon Hill um, charity run in September, and then after that, uh, obviously to recover and all the rest of it. So I was kind of getting back into it in kind of October time. And I was so far off where I was pace-wise and all the rest of it, and it's been a bit of a slog for a couple of months. And it was going quite well until the start of December, and then festive period kicked in, and it's uh, always tricky to keep up the miles and keep up the sessions and do stuff other than eating your body weight and cakes and stuff. So, uh, yeah, I was kind of probably back to where I was start of December a couple of weeks ago, but um, the last two, three weeks have been pretty good, so really focusing on speed stuff again and the shorter distances. So I've had a couple of weeks of really solid sessions and um, and not missing anything either, which is good. That's the first time for a wee while I've not been missing runs during the week for whatever reason. So touch wood to keep that up and hopefully start seeing the times coming down again. Uh, I did the Metro Proms 3K race in Aberdeen to two Fridays ago, I think it was. Yeah, the 10th of January, which was a couple of days after I recorded the last one. And it went all right, all things considered. So my finishing time was 10.23, which was three seconds slower than the December one, which was to be expected, I suppose. <laughs> I uh, I think I, I probably ran a bit harder, felt a bit harder, but ran three seconds slower. But that's just post-Christmas and everything. I was happy enough with it. So... I'll have another crack at that in two two weeks' time, I think. It'll be on again in February, and I'll hopefully be a bit quicker, hopefully, um, closer to PB sort of territory. And then, other than that, it's just been back to the normal January nonsense, back to work, and it's easier to get stick with the routine, I find, when you're actually working, because uh, you just slot in before work at lunchtimes or whatever. So, yeah, all pretty good. Uh, nothing particularly exciting though, I don't suppose. So um, yeah, we'll crack on with the uh, the theme for this week's podcast. So we are due to have a guest join us, um, but I haven't heard from him today. So we're just going to record this as if the guest isn't appearing, but he might uh, pop in at some point and we'll just have to, to pick it up from there. So we'll just get to carry on as if we don't have an interview today but um the theme for this episode is um men's mental health so we're going to try and talk a bit about that i think both of us would would um have ex well we've all got experience of mental health of course but you know i mean talking about adverse mental health i suppose i've experienced it not to a major degree um but i think dave you probably have 
experiences to share as well. So um, I don't know. I was going to speak a bit about this in the last episode, but maybe and since I've got you on, Dave, and it's men's mental health, I'll maybe just let you uh, start with this theme. And uh, if there's anything in particular you want to start with or how it relates back to running or any of that or, or what your experiences have been uh, with mental health, good and otherwise. Yeah, straight into the straight into the deep end there, Callum. Ah, absolutely. <laughs> I, I never I never even warned you. <laughs> yeah, I guess, you know, we, we touched on it a little bit on on the the, the first time round and um, I guess the the my kind of the journey through through mental health and uh, you know it's you know it's linked to running really well because it's uh, running has been the the consistent thing which has um, I guess allowed me to, to come out the other side of a lot of those things which is which is really great and it's the whole reason why I uh, began I guess uh, a rebirth of running in the first place you know a few years ago so um, I'm one of these people who uh, feel like I'm pretty good at uh, sticking things in boxes and uh, locking them away forevermore and not uh, not really thinking about them. Um, but then, unfortunately, my my mum at the time was was quite ill and I was going back and forward to Ireland every couple of weeks. So you know, doing really long car journeys down to whichever airport I could get a flight from and whatever else, mm-hmm. and uh, kind of just watching her, um, you know, uh, slip away. Um, and it was. Uh, you know, and eventually, eventually she passed away, um, which, which you know, we all expected to happen, but I don't really think it um, really prepares you for the for the reality of that. And of course, being being the kind of person I am, I thought, yeah, I'll be fine. You know, I'm pretty pretty good at locking all this kind of stuff away. And to my surprise, I I really wasn't. Um, and I guess you know the whole thing, the whole then running re- rebirth for me, you know, came from the memories of her and. Um, her taking me from races when I used to run for my county and, um, you know, spending weekends taking me to places to run and things like that. And, um, I kind of, I kind of felt that, um, to do that again would be, would be a good way to kind of remember those times and, uh, to kind of, I guess, deal with my, uh, with my emotions. Um, and that's, that's kind of where it started, but, um, even more recently, so even just, just earlier this year, I had a pretty stressful, stressful work life, um, where you know I was busy, you know, getting towards burnout. And the real funny thing about that was that you know I started prioritizing uh, those less important things like work um, over running, and running actually became something I hated, uh, which is <laughs> uh, which is really odd to say, considering that was the one thing that was giving me this uh, this good life balance. And I almost resented it in the end because I was. Uh, taking time away from working to try and go run, and then when I was running, all I was thinking about was working. Um, so that all that all culminated in me kind of having uh, having a little word with myself, and eventually, you know, uh, making a complete career change. Um, and you know, I've been I've been away from that environment for over for over six months now, and it's really only now where I feel like I'm kind of getting a lot of that kind of mojo back. And uh, you know. Before I'd be out the door at half five, no matter rain, sun or shine, but you know, I just couldn't find myself in a good place to do that recently. Um, and yeah, certainly over the last few weeks and months, that has, that has definitely been a really good uh, shift in gear. Um, I'm able just to, you know, get out there and get after it. And I think it was one of those things, you know, when I, 
you know, even looking through, you know, if Colin does join us, you know, one of his, one of his, uh, you know, his Instagram has has got this theme around it where, you know, if you just if you just do it um, and get out there and get after it, it's a uh, it's often a lot better than thinking about it. So, <laughs> um, so I think that's that's uh, brought me back to, uh, you know, being a I guess a bit more a bit more human and relief. But yeah, I think the the other great thing with with running as well is that having other people to talk about and to talk to about this kind of stuff because the you know what I find you know there's especially especially in the ultramarathon world there's a lot of people there and uh, you get lots of time to talk to these people you either see them every lap or over the course of you know 60 70 100 miles wherever it might be and everybody has a story and whether you were you know uh, a drug addict in a previous life or you're a top lawyer or whatever there's always a a theme is runs through there about how sometimes you battle these demons, and uh, the great thing about the great thing about running is that it breaks down all of those barriers of stigma, and um, you know, I guess allows you a bit more free and open about your feelings. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So you mentioned Colin. So yeah, Colin McCourt is the the guest we were hoping to have on, who um, I've not heard from today, but um, yeah, he. That was one of the reasons we picked men's mental health as the as a theme for this episode because um, I was hoping to speak to Colin about that. He's um, had his very his very public Instagram feed talks about um, all the different aspects of his life and uh, mental health features quite highly in that. But yeah, you mentioned the thing uh, just getting out there and, and doing it is often better than thinking about doing it. And um, I was gonna ask you, so before I got into my own experiences, what I'm going to say is pretty similar to what you've just said actually, what you've just described is very similar to what I went through last year, but um, what I was going to ask you was, so on during those times when you were resenting running and you were taking time out of work to go and run, do you think that, um, I don't know how to phrase this, do you think that forcing yourself to run, if that's the right phrase, is a good thing, um, because you know ultimately we we know that running's good for us and it should help. But but you said you were thinking about work when you were running, and, and do you think in in any way that it, it would be more beneficial in those times to just go right sack it? I'm not running today, or do you think it's better to sort of glory on through and just try and do something? What's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think it's a it's a really interesting question, and um, I think I think I know what the answer is, um, only because um, you know I've, I've replied to a few comments about this before on, on other different various running forums about people who are struggling with motivation and, and things like that, and they they ask that same question of you know what should I do? Should I kind of just wait it out and and whatever? But um, you know my my kind of thinking on it, and this goes this goes back to a few books I've read around like the chimp paradox and uh, you know uh, think, think, things like that. And my kind of take on it is, you know, you should uh, you know you should face it right in the front, punch it in the face, and uh, you know try and uh, try and battle through it as best as possible. Um, and I think I think that's the only the only way to do it. Um, I think if you let yourself 
you know, it's 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 one of those things, you know, I'm sure all the people who maybe are listening or maybe even yourself, you know, it's like when you miss one training run in a week, then you make it acceptable to uh, yeah. miss another one. And, you know, by uh by not by not accepting that that's the case, then I, I feel that that's a that's a good way to kind of uh you know, kind of move forward and get out of it. And even if it's, you know, a slow run, it's, you know, only twenty minutes, half an hour, whatever. You know, it's it's you versus you in the end of the day, and it's it's your way of saying, look, I'm in control of this, and uh, you know what, you know, I can I can do something about it, um, and you know, make that positive change for us. So it's it's really about being, I guess, brave enough to take that next step, and um, you know, just align align yourself with that space, and uh, just to kind of process things. Uh, yeah, I mean, I. I think I think I agree. Uh, there may be schools of thought that that maybe wouldn't agree, but uh, there are a lot of different things that you touched on there. So um, I like that. I like the idea of punching it in the face. <laughs> that's uh, that's a pretty good analogy. But uh, yeah, so sometimes you just you know, and this is different from well, it may be related, but not always. Um, that sometimes you just can't be arsed. And if it's just the case that you can't be arsed for whatever reason, I think it's always better to just get out there and do it because it, dep- it depends what your motivation is. There's other things I say. It depends what your motivation is with running. If you like just going for a run every now and again, you don't have a focused training plan, you don't have any specific goals, time goals or distance goals or whatever, then it's maybe not that big a deal. Um, you know, just get out and get some headspace from time to time, and that's fine. But if if you're in any way competitive, and that could just be competitive with yourself, uh, and you and you want to achieve something which could be just being better than you were, you know, six months ago, or trying to get a PB, or you want to finish a marathon in a specific uh, time, or whatever it is, or you know, go and do your first ultra marathon, then it's really important that if you've either taken the time to devise a training plan yourself or you've got someone else helping you with training plans or you've downloaded a plan, I find it really, really destructive mentally to not follow the training plan. So the thing that I've um, found recently is making sure the training plan is realistic first and foremost. So I did this myself recently. So I'm I'm very good when it comes to um, devising other people's training plans and sitting down and look, asking them all the questions about um, what what they realistically could run in the course of a normal week. You know what their work is like, what their other commitments are like, um, you know how much time, spare time they've got from you know family duties and all that sort of stuff, and carving their training in and around that and making sure that it fits. But um, what I think I haven't been good at myself is um, do you know sitting down and asking myself those questions. You know, I've I've trained in the past. I've trained really, really, been able to because of whatever I'm doing, train like you know six days a week, every week, relentlessly, two or three of those day week uh, days in the week. You know, double runs, and you know, so I'm running like eight or nine or ten times a week sometimes, and smashing it because of the way my life was, but that was when I had uh, 
one uh, one child. Now I have three, and uh, you know I sort of sat down maybe a month or so ago and looked at the a the goal races I was had planned for the start of the year, um, looked at my work, looked at all the different commitments, and, and sort of just pared it back a little bit. And I've taken double runs out of the out of the equation, and not doing quite as many miles. Still running six times six times a week, but um, just by taking that step back, I've managed to be able to fit everything in, and I know I can do it. And it's yeah, you said you said that made that point earlier. Like if you miss if it's acceptable to miss one, it becomes acceptable to miss another one. And and when I had you know all those different sessions planned in, and I just physically didn't have the time some weeks to get them all in, and then I was trying to work out which one would be best to miss, and you know and all that sort of stuff. It's all it all affects my uh, my mental well-being, my all-round mental well-being, not just around running, but uh, I start to get pissed off at myself, and then I start to get down about it, and it's a sort of downward spiral, and uh, yeah, and so that's why I made that decision to take the whole step back and have a, a look at it again, and since doing that, and um, yeah, and it's the, the other thing, as we say, it's a thing you can control, so um, there are a lot of things in in life that you know I and other people you can't just simply cannot control but to be in control of something like my training plan and my running and that's my time and I can get out and do it and I get so, so much satisfaction out of that and it really lifts my entire mood so I just said yeah if you could take my wife into the room and speak to her and uh, the, my improvement I would say my uh, my output um, has been massive over the last two or three months um, just since I got back into running again, running regularly. So it was October. Um, yeah, October when I started to run again, trying to run like nearly every day. And I probably overdid it a little bit through sort of November and December. And then December I was forced to cut back a bit because of the festive time. And then yeah, that sort of put me off kilter again a little bit, but since this turn of the year, it's been so much better, and I feel everything feels lighter, sort of thing, you know, the mood's lighter, and and I'm enjoying the running again as well, you know, it was a bit of a, a struggle to get back into it to start with, but um, yeah, I mean, that's a bit of a, a long ramble uh, there, and... Well, I think, that's a, I think that's a really important point you're making there, but, you know, um, especially with people who are maybe following, you know, boilerplate kind of training plans which aren't, you know, specific for you as an individual. And, you know, you will, you know, you have six sessions on there and you're like, oh God, how am I going to fit all of these in? And, you know, I did a similar thing to yourself, you know, when I was trying to mold myself back into this. So one of the things I did over December was to run every day as part of the, the marathon thing. And that really helped with the, you know, if I can get out in all of the conditions that December bring, I can. I have no excuse for the rest of the year, right? So I've I've done away with all the excuses now, um, yeah. and you know I've I've reduced my training to five days a week. So I used to run six days a week, um, and um, all of my sessions are now planned around five days a week. So I've got two days free, and mm-hmm. generally I will still run six days a week, but the sixth day is a really slow forty-five minute quad. It's a you know it's a it's a just a really gentle recovery run. So I think it's really important to um, you know, 
understand that you know it's okay to do that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you, and you can. I would, I would say probably any runner in the world could still have a progressive progression in their in their fitness and their abilities if they're running in a five day a week uh, schedule, as long as it's you know planned properly and because you get that two days of actual recovery where you know a lot of us are a bit scared of taking days off but you know the science tells us that um you make all your gains when you're recovering actually so that's not to say if you're on one day a week and rest for six that you're going to get any better but um you know you have to have proper recovery built into your into your blocks and um yeah there's nothing wrong with that at all having two days and if they're planned two days that's a lot so i was for a while i was also i was running seven days a week um and that was okay but then i would always have seven days planned and then it you know even if i ran six days a week i'd be a bit pissed off because i missed one of the planned sessions and that's ridiculous you know there's no you know a guy a club runner like me at my level doesn't have to run seven days a week sometimes it's fine it's okay to do it if you can but uh, getting annoyed with myself for only running six days a week is pretty nuts. And then sometimes it would be five days a week, and I'd be like, "Oh man, come on!" That by actually forcing a rest day back into my schedule um, every week and doing that at the weekend, so I know that I'm clearing a day for an entire day for family time and all the rest of it. That's uh, you know, there's no pressure. You know, I, I could be like in the past on a Sunday if I haven't being able for whatever reason to get up really early in the morning and get out before everyone else gets out of bed, which is my usual uh, weekend thing. Um, I'm then thinking about it all day, when am I going to fit this? Even if it's just like a 30-minute run, when am I going to fit this in? When am I going to fit this in? Then I don't fit it in, and I've just, you know, I might as well have just forgotten about it right at the start of the day because it eats away at you sort of thing. And, and uh, that's it's one of the downsides, I suppose, of running. When you can get, it's almost like addiction or something. It's not, it's not addiction, but it's obsession, I suppose, is maybe a better word. And um, where running can be really, really positive for your mental health, it, it can also, you know, you can just um, tilt over the edge a little bit, and uh, it can be a negative thing as well when you're thinking about it in that way. So, uh, yeah, it's really. Really uh, interesting stuff, to be honest. Um, there's loads of stuff. we could go down this for hours, probably. But I was gonna, uh, yes, yeah, so I was gonna reflect on my my experience last year, and I've kind of touched on it a wee bit. But it, it all sort of stemmed last from last May uh, through the summer. So I lost my dad in uh, May last year, and yeah, everything you described about when you lost your mum <clears throat> um, was pretty similar set of emotions that I went through with my dad last year. So my, I spoke about this in the podcast at the time, and my dad, he was uh, he was an alcoholic for years, but he hadn't been drinking, um, I don't know how many years, he fell off the wagon a couple of times, but generally speaking, he hadn't been a solid alcoholic for... Fifteen years or so, maybe. Um, but he had health issues, and uh, he had lost his leg. That was down to smoking. A few years back, and I, you know, my time with my dad in the last 
five, six years would have been going around to see him in his house and I used to take him to local gym in his wheelchair for um either the sort of rehab workouts and it was like or taking him to like hospital appointments and that sort of thing. That was the, the time I got to spend with my dad more recently. So and I was expect not expecting, but I was I thought I was prepared uh, for him to pass away like for probably 20 years going back right back to when he was uh, drinking really heavily you know I was went through a spell of just expecting to find him in his house one day you know just every time I walked in I was kind of half expecting the worst and then he obviously got through that and then you know his, his health deteriorated but he kept he was one of these hardy buggers that kept coming back and kept coming back and he thought maybe, maybe he's just going to live forever because despite how how much he's battered his body with the different uh, smoking and drinking and stuff over the years and, you know, not eating particularly well health-wise and everything. You know, he just, he was so tough and he kept coming back. And then I felt like, even with that, I felt I would have been more prepared than I was. But um, he was in the hospital and we knew, well, we, we knew maybe only the day before he died that he wasn't going to come home. But the way it was, we were told, it was like he had a wee while. It could have gone on for weeks. But then we got a phone call the next morning, so we better get in the hospital. And, uh, you know, I just dropped everything at work and, and drove straight there. It was only 10 minutes away. But he'd already died by the time I got there. So that was a bit of a shock to the system. You know, I hadn't, I'd been kind of saying goodbye to him because I thought he was pretty unwell. But, you know, I hadn't really got the chance so I wasn't there to see it when it was happening and that sort of thing which is uh, made it a bit tougher I suppose but um, but like yourself I mean I had uh, these all these memories of you know so I said the recent time I spent with him was all you know to do with his health and uh, the, the deterioration in his health and and that sort of thing but then you kind of forget what they're like when they're younger until something like this happens and you've, you know, you've got to go through all the old photos and sort all the stuff out and then it really brought it all back to me, all the amazing times I had with my dad when I was little and, and I mean, a lot of that for me was around football rather than anything else. Uh, my dad was massive into football and he got me and my brother into football and uh, he would have taken us around the, the place uh, to go and play football matches and football tournaments and, um, you know, just... That was the thing that we did, and uh, that was what sparked me into thinking about going back and having a go at amateur football again last uh, last year. And um, I went and signed for the local team again, and you know I met them around and took a bit of a back step to focus on trying to get myself into shape for playing football again. But you know I'm probably ten years ten years too old for playing football, and uh, maybe not ten, but at least five anyway, and um, but also having not played football for seven years, you know, the impact and all the rest of it, I mean, it's so, so different from running. And so I didn't really, that didn't go as well as I hoped it would, and I think that probably had an impact as well. I was hoping to go back, get myself back into shape for football, you know, with my newfound fitness, because I was never, never ever as aerobically fit when I played football as I am now all the sort of six, six years of running behind me sort of thing, I thought, you know, I'd be really good and, and I'd be this sort of super fit football guy 
and uh, you know, it just didn't quite pan out like that, and I sort of probably felt like I'd let my dad down a wee bit or something. I thought I was going to go back and play football and be really proud of what I achieved, you know, kind of in his honour. That didn't work out, and then I decided, you know, I'm just not. I had an injury; it just wasn't sorting itself out, and so I decided that I know what, I'm just going to go back to running. I know I can do that well, and um, but it took a while to get back into it properly, and I was just the whole thing. And you know, it's probably just a process of going through the grief process or something, but. So he, he died in May, and I remember being away on holiday in October for the school holidays, so we were away for a week. And I just remember spending the whole week just thinking about my dad and just being down about it and trying really hard to, you know, be bright and cheery for the kids. And, you know, in the, in, in the meantime, like two months after my dad died, my third uh, child came along, so we had a little baby boy in July. And, you know, obviously that's a super happy time, but... um there's also like a hint of sadness because my dad never got to meet him and I don't know, it just all sort of felt like it was piling up on me a wee bit and I remember telling my wife in October, you know, I just like I'm sad every day at the moment, just can't stop thinking about my dad and all this sort of thing and then that was probably around about time, I think it was just in fact it was, just after that October holidays I'd said, I get to go back and I need to get back into a proper structured routine around work. I'm self-employed, so I'm kind of, I can please myself what I do to an extent day-to-day. I can work from home every day if I wanted to, or, you know, I made a decision to go in. We've got an office through in, in Aberdeen in the city, so I'm just going to go through there. Make a point of doing it three days a week, the same days every week if I can help it, and then two days out here, and I'll structure my life around that, I'll structure my running around it, and get an actual routine with all the other bits and pieces of all of the responsibilities I've got at home and everything and and that I mean probably within a couple of weeks I was feeling much much better and um, and then it just built on it from that and obviously as I mentioned already the, the festive period disrupted it a little bit and it gave me a bit of time to reflect on it as well and I've probably structured things even better again and I'm in such like a much much more positive mood now than I was three, four months ago and and I think that running is running plays a massive part in that for me. Um you know just feel like I'm in control of something properly in control of it. So I mean like take today for example. So my, my week this week has been massively disrupted through other things and I've had to juggle my days about and uh, it was gonna be a bit tricky for me to do the hill reps that I planned for myself today, um, but I just went, right, I'm just going to go and do them. And I just went and did them, and after I finished them, I just felt great because I stuck to my plan, and then I got on with the rest of my day, and which was doing stuff for other people, but, you know, it's uh, it's it's all positive and, you know, the next couple of days are not as they would be normally. I haven't shift things around again, but I've got a plan as to how I'm going to do that and how I'm going to stick to it. And then Monday I'll come around again and I'll be back to normal and I'll, I'll have stuck to my plan and I'll feel like I haven't let myself down in any way and I won't be down about it. So I think that's how it really 
helps me and is helping me at the moment. Um, yeah, I've rambled again there. Jesus. <laughs> um, I don't know if you've got any further thoughts on that. I mean, it's, it's fairly similar, I think, what you described with your experience with your mom as well. Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's. Um, I'm sure there's probably a lot of people listening to people relate with those stories or maybe experiencing those things at the moment and, um, you know, or might maybe in the future. I think the the, the key the key thing to is is you know to uh, to, to face the facts, I suppose, of of, um, of how you're feeling and if you can, you know, talk to somebody about it. And uh, I think that's always a always a good thing because you know. People want the help where they can, and uh, you know, feel that you know, running in the end of the day is a is a community, um, and you know, you and I, and probably a lot of runners here, probably spend a lot of time by themselves, um, you know, while they're running. And I think the the added benefit to that is that in those times, you know, you're not uh, Callum Crichton, a father of three children, or you know, a husband or a lawyer or whatever. You're just a human, you know, in the simplest form, out enjoying uh, some trails or runs or hills or whatever, and I think that's what allows everything else to work right. So you can kind of have that freedom to be, to kind of unshackle yourself from all of those responsibilities and just to kind of um, enjoy that time that you have to be able to, you know, do do the thing that you enjoy most. Yeah, and I think, I think that's, that's... Yeah, sorry, and you go... Yeah, so I think that's the, that's the most important thing. So whether that's you know whether that's you know getting your getting your hill reps done straight after the school run this morning, or and um, you know out for you know a recovery run or or whatever, it's just yeah, it's about allowing yourself that time to not feel guilty about it, and um, you know realize that actually you're better because of it and not in spite of it. Yeah, I think that's a really important point. You're better because of it, and that is the yeah. really key thing for me. I've, I've just spent quite a long time um, describing that. You summed it up in one sentence. So, um, but I'm, you know, there are times when there's a bit of pressure on on time in our household and that sort of thing. But if I don't take the thirty minutes or the one hour out of my day or schedule it in somewhere. You know, which can then become a habit, and you, and you don't do it, you know, all the time. Then the quality of life within our household will deteriorate, which may sound quite bad because it sounds a bit selfish or something. But um, it's not—I'm not doing that on purpose. You know, it's just—it's just a fact that um, it just really, really helps me in having that time out. You know, like I'm not that for that hour. I'm not that father of three or I'm not that, you know, I am obviously, but all I'm thinking about is the running most of the time. Sometimes, you know, if it's an easy run, you've, you've all sorts of other things you think about. And I do think about work. I do think about what I'm going to do when I get home. I do think about uh, what my daughter's up to that day or my wife or whatever. But, um, but you are sort of unshackled for the, for that time that you're out and, um, and and if you're running with other people which is I've been doing a bit more of that as well you find you're, you're chatting about stuff but it's not it can be sort of deep and meaningful you know we've well we've been out running together we've probably touched on some of this stuff as, as well but um, 
other one of the guys from the club recently and, you know, tend to not talk about this sort of stuff at all, but um, it's just talking about running and other people's performances and, you know, how people's training's going and all that sort of stuff. And it, and it does, it's a bit of a release, to be honest, and that's good in uh, loads of ways. So, so yeah, I think um, on that um, note, we could probably move along. I don't think there's probably much else to say. Oh, the one thing I was going to say, actually, was on uh, men's mental health, not specifically related to running, but um, I've mentioned this before, but there's a new, I'm not sure if they're quite, charity status yet but in Aberdeen there's a guy um, a comedian, local comedian his name's just escaped me, Ray Thompson who set up a thing called Man Chat and um, go, if if there are any any of you listening to this, either somebody who's struggling with their mental health or knows someone who's struggling with their mental health go and look up Man Chat on Facebook and uh, specifically if you're in the local area, i.e. Aberdeenshire in Scotland, um, you can go in, they have these meetings that you can go to and it's just all blokes that are there, There's no so there's no sort of pressure to open up in front of females if that's an issue for you, I'm not sure, but um, I'd go and look them up, I just I saw on Facebook today they'd been nominated for some uh, local award, I can't remember what the award's called, but you'll see it on their Facebook page anyway, so yeah. Go check them out. I think they're doing some amazing stuff. So the guy, Ray Thompson, the comedian, I think he had actually attempted suicide maybe last year or the year before. And it set him off on this journey of going and helping others and, um, you know, anyone who's having suicidal thoughts or any of that. Um, getting into those sort of dark places can have somebody to speak to. And it looks amazing. They've, they've done a lot of good already. There's only last year that they were that they started so yeah go and check them out and and you know i've said this before on like my facebook page and stuff but if anyone feels like they don't have anyone to speak to i'm happy to receive a message and you know talk to you about it um and that probably goes for most people out there i would imagine you know any mates that you've got and that sort of thing make sure you speak to people i mentioned there you know i speak to my wife if i ever have any sort of uh, moments like that and you know that's just the minute you speak about it you feel better um, and I think that's really important so uh, let's move on so we said in the last episode that we've got a few different features on the podcast there's almost like the second series of the podcast for the six month uh, break so the, the theme for the episode is one. The second one we're going to go to is called Ask the Coach. And we didn't do this last time because we're out of time. Um, so if you have any specific questions you'd like to ask a running coach, that's me, um, you can post them on our Facebook page, um, send us a message, whatever, and we will try our best to deal with your question on the podcast. I'll sort of take a look at it. From a running coach's perspective and as a runner, you know, a fairly experienced runner now, um, and then normally it'll be Jenny, but Dave's here, he's an ultra runner as well, so I mean, he'll have similar, well, perhaps similar opinions of, uh, that, that Jenny might cast in, you know, as a runner. So, um, thank you to Anne Murray who sent in this question, and it's quite a, it seems like quite a straightforward question, 
but I think when you start speaking about it and thinking about it, it's, it's not that straightforward. So the question was, how do you how do you work through screaming muscles, and what is the cause? Is it nutrition? Is it breathing? Is it something else? So, um, yeah, I mean, a lot of this, in my opinion, comes down to training and pacing. So to try to find what screaming muscles means first and foremost um i mean there are times when your muscles are screaming at you towards the end of a fast race so like well that could be anything um marathon downwards but for me normally something like a 5k or a 10k or a 3k race where you you know you're trying to run fast for a given time and if you if you pace yourself perfectly according to your current um, fitness, you should actually just finish the race with your muscles just starting to scream at you a little bit and because you're close enough to the end, you can just carry on. But if your muscles are screaming at you earlier in the race, then something's gone wrong, I would say. Either you've not got the training under your belt or you've headed off too fast or a combination of you've headed off too fast given the training that you have or haven't done. So I think the most important thing is um, making sure that you get the, the training done. Um, so we spoke at length there about you know training five or six or seven times a week or whatever, but it's whatever works. Training-wise, it should be based on your current fitness. So if you're a brand new runner, never run before, you, know, you shouldn't be just going out and running six times a week. You need to build that up, you know, something similar to the, the couch to 5K thing that's really popular, which, it, you know, is based on light jogging in intervals over a period of time, and you build up and you shorten the intervals and shorten the breaks and you increase the intervals, and then you string it all together, and over the course of about three months, you should be able to jog for 5K without stopping. Um but then if you're an experienced runner, then, you know, if you're going to be aiming for PBs, you know, whatever distance, 10K, marathon, shorter distances, you need to make sure you're getting your enough training in that fits around your life and based on your current fitness. And the type of training you do is really important. So um, you need to be training specifically for that race. So, you know, a, a staple workout for a 10k runner might be something like doing eight times 1k at or slightly quicker than your current 10k PB pace with like a minute and a half off in between recovery and you should that you should in theory be able to do that because obviously if you've run 10k at that pace relatively recently then you should be able to do eight times 1k but it's amazing how tough that sort of session can be. The time you get the last couple of Ks, you'll find you're doing them a little bit quicker than your 10K PB pace. And that's where you make gains because you're working harder than you have before or faster than you have before. But you should experience this sort of pain in inverted commas in during your training and be able to work through it and get the confidence to work through it by doing it in training. Um, I said pain in inverted commas because you don't want to have actual pain because that may signify a, an injury, but just your muscles are tired, you know, sore, 
tired. You know, yeah, I think it's hard to describe the difference between that and, and actual acute pain, but I think most of us should know the difference. You know, if you've got any sort of acute pain, it's probably time to stop and before it gets too bad. But um, yeah, I mean, I think where, yeah, I sort of mentioned there that at the start of that, if, if you sort of pace your, you think your effort really well towards the end of like a 10k race, you're, you probably will have screaming muscles and you just work through it to the end. But anytime I've ran a PB, um, any of these distances, I've actually not experienced the screaming muscles thing. And I think this goes back to the training being spot on and got the pacing pretty close to bang on, but probably finished those races thinking I could probably have given a bit more and probably my PBs could have been slightly quicker. There's a really fine line between getting it right and getting to that finish line with your muscles just starting to scream a little bit uh, than, you know, maybe getting half a mile or a mile from the finish line and your muscles are screaming at you and it's really difficult to keep on going and hold the pace. Um, the only, yeah, I, my half marathon PB, which was about a year and a half ago, the last three miles of that, I was struggling and the pace was fading. You know, my last three miles were my slowest, which is, means I've paced that badly. Um, but I still got a PB by about 30 seconds or something. But, you know, if I'd paced that slightly better, I might have gone 20 seconds quicker or so. But, um, but the other ones, you know, like my 10k PB, I, I ran quicker every K all the way through the race and <clears throat> I probably paced that better, but I could have paced it even more evenly and been a bit more aggressive and, and maybe got a slightly quicker PB. But yeah, so again, yeah, probably all, all down to the training and all down to pacing based on, on your fitness and based on how good your training's been. Um, yeah, there's a lot of, so nutrition was was mentioned, and uh, yeah, I hear a lot of people speaking about nutrition and and breathing and all that stuff. I mean, I'm no expert on nutrition actually, um, but I don't really think, depending on what kind of race you're doing. So if maybe even a marathon, but anything shorter than that, I don't really think that what you eat specifically is going to make the difference unless you do something wildly different on race day, um, like drinking a can of Coke in the middle of your first ultra or something. <laughs> but uh, what you, yeah, I don't think nutrition is the, is the thing here. Um, unless it's like cramps, proper cramps and stuff like that, it might be to do with, um, you know, the salt in your in your body, you, you're losing too much um, electrolytes without replacing them and that sort of thing. I've got a mate who's cramps every marathon. Despite his training being really, really good, he's cramped up in every marathon he's ran, I think, the last sort of five, six miles. Um, I don't know what the answer is to that. Um, he needs more salt, I think, probably. Uh, either in the build-up to that race or, you know, he needs to have a specific type of gels or something that, to replace what he's losing. Um, yeah, so I think Anne was probably looking for a more scientific 
definitive answer, but um, there probably isn't one correct answer for everyone in this. You know, you have to try try and fail. I think um, multiple times, work out what works for you. Um, and psychology probably comes into this as well. So earlier on, I said, you know, what does screaming muscles mean? What does pain mean? Sometimes we can be a bit quick to give in to to that pain when we're running. Uh, I've been, I think, the, the last well since I ran a bunch of PBs back in 2016. I would say I've um, I've struggled a bit with the latter half or the latter stages of races and, and, and letting myself drift a bit. And thinking, oh, this is hard. This is hard. And uh, instead of pushing through it, um, you know, I've let given myself a break. I think I did a better, better job in that last three k race. And I tell you, uh, an analogy, not an analogy, a little uh, side story here. So my, I posted about this on Facebook at the time. Actually, my seven-year-old daughter had been at school that week and had done a beep test. Uh, in her PE class, and the first time she'd ever done it, I think. And you know, that night she was saying, "Oh, Daddy, I've got a sore throat from the running." And I thought, "Yeah, I know that, that tells me that you worked really, really hard. So well done." And then I thought to myself, "You know what? I've not felt that for a while. I used to feel it every time I ran like a 3K race, you know, that sort of dry sore throat afterwards." And I thought, "You know, I must not have been working hard enough." So my main goal in that 3K race was to push myself hard enough so that I came away with that feeling in my throat and I remember specifically thinking in the last sort of 500 metres to a K that sense of just struggling a bit as I had done in previous races and I thought you know what, I'm not giving in I'm going to push on and I was thinking specifically about my daughter's experience and and I did I finished stronger in that race than I probably had for a while and and I did I had that um I had that feeling in my throat so I mean, that's not screaming muscles but it's it's linked to it, I guess. Um, and this ability to push, push harder uh, in race or in a training, se- training session is, is sometimes what differentiates the top athletes from everybody else. Um, someone like Paula Radcliffe, who she famously counted as she ran, I think she was counting her steps to distract herself from any pain she was experiencing. And um, that's something I've tried in the past and it's worked actually I'm maybe going to try and use that again actually I mean just just counting your steps one two three four up to like a hundred or something and then before you know it you've covered an extra bit of ground and you can get in a bit of rhythm with it as well and you just totally forget about everything else and just focus on the counting and that 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 does work so there's yeah maybe something to try Dave um what do you think I mean you're obviously not running those sort of five and ten k's as often anymore, and not pushing yourself at those speeds. But I guess it's a different type of discomfort you experience when you're doing the longer stuff. Um, screaming muscles does that come into it? I'm not sure if if you describe it that way, but what do you think? Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if uh, screaming muscles is right word, but I think on these longer. Uh, you know, this runs sore muscles in the legs are definitely uh, unavoidable, <laughs> um, yeah. and you will they will eventually they will eventually start to tire and and, and get get sore and, and and start to become they become quite heavy and uh, you know feel like uh, feel like they they want to stop and especially more so on these kind of uh, loop type races where you're running like a four mile loop or 
uh, and you're doing more repetitive kind of uh, human motions uh, where you're repetitive strain and all that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, it can definitely be, uh, it definitely comes at some point and uh, you talked, you know, you talked quite a lot about pace there um, earlier and it's, you know, that's, that's what ultra running is really all about is going at a, going at a pace that is maintainable for as long as possible without slowing down. Um, and making sure that the slow down point is as far into the base as possible. Um, so it's, 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 a, it's a real tricky one, but, you know, certainly, certainly through training sessions, I mean, I think, I think 80% of this probably confined to conditioning. So, um, you know, so for, you know, for me who runs like, you know, quite a lot of the ultra marathons on trail and, you know, it tends to do a lot of climbing and these types of things. So, you know, I make sure that my, my, my training is, you know, specific to the event which I'm training for. So there's no point in me going and running lots of roads or flat trails for a, you know, a, a forest marathon, for example, or a, or a 50k, because um, that's not specific enough. Um, so I think if you're, you know, if you're training for, you know, a road marathon, then make sure you're training, you're matching your, your runs to that kind of surface. And um, if you can kind of mimic those conditions, so there's a few hills in there, make sure you're, you're getting used to that. And um, you know, hill training doesn't have to be, you know, hill sprints or that kind of stuff. It can just be part of your easy run where you, where you take in the hills and that will build, you know, good condition in the legs and, and strength. So, uh, you know, today I did a, you know, a shortish fartlek run, which were, which were, which was basically around, you know, uh, really attacking the hills and, uh, and, and, you know, taking it easy on the flats and flats and downs. And certainly once I got round to the second loop of that, you know, I was like readying myself. For the for the next hill because my legs at that point you know the quads were burning the like a feel lactic and you know just pushed on through that and it was actually about five seconds quicker or something like that first climb so I think it's just like you say you know making sure that you're conditioning yourself properly um, that you are I guess uh, brave enough to um, you know know that it comes to the end at some point um, and there's actually a, a really good nutritionist dietitian called uh, Rennie McGregor, who's worked with like all of the GB24 teams and 100K teams and works with people like James Stewart. And she's got this term, which is known as uh, train brave. And um, so that's, you know, trying to get yourself in situations sometimes which either mimic those race conditions or um, as close to them as possible. Um, and that, I think that will better, better help you, I guess, prepare mentally and uh, that kind of stuff as well. But a couple of other points, not really, I guess, nutrition related, but Kind of, um, so, you know, water intake before any races on a daily basis. So you, you'll go out, you know, training most days. You know, make sure you're at least getting at least three liters of water in, uh, on those days as well to, to make sure you're replenishing it. Um, you know, I, I would advocate real food rather than, rather than gels if you can, you can do that. Um, so what some runners might suffer from is, you know, nutrient malabsorption. So is when you've got all these liquid form of carbohydrates going into your body and actually your body starts rejecting them because they're going into your bloodstream too quickly. Um, and, uh, you know, you may find that eating something like a cereal bar or, um, you know, sort of nut bar might actually benefit you more. Um, and then things like, you know, really simple things like, you know, if you're in a half marathon, a marathon, whatever, what you see a lot of people is they'll pick up their water cup, drink it straight away and just chuck it away almost immediately. So, what I would, what I would, uh, kind of advise would be to hold on to the cup for, you know, usually a bin a bit further along or, um, whatever, but hold on to that cup, you know, for maybe, you know, half a kilometer, half a mile, whatever, and just sip from it. 
you know, gently, and you you'll tend to find that you in the later stages of that race you'll be a lot you'll be a lot better because you've actually taken on more water and you've not gulped it down um, and made yourself have a have a sore sore tummy um, in the end of the day. Um, so those are, those are those are probably my takes on it. Again, you know, like you say, I'm not running these really short races, so. Um, if you're if you're one of those people who who do, then you can probably safely ignore the real food thing. But <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, well, I don't know. I mean, that's that's you're speaking about eating real food from the point of during your ultra run, so you're fueling yourself up during it. But I think eating real food is good advice for just for everyday life. You know, yeah. um, that's I'm guilty of taking the easy option a lot of times with a busy lifestyle, but that's a bit of an excuse. I mean, I think if you can if you can do things better, uh, that includes your eating and all the rest, it'll, it'll probably help all of this anyway, uh, help with your muscle repair and all the rest of it in, in your recovery from your sessions. So that's probably all relevant, actually. Yeah, absolutely. Ways, but, yeah. yeah, you know... Uh, Dave Brailsford and these people who work with you know Team GB cycling and stuff, they talk about marginal gains and yeah. it might just it might just be you know a one percent benefit to you, but you know a one percent of your time at the end is probably quite significant. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 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 So, so um, you mentioned uh, Renee McGregor, who I had heard of, but I hadn't heard of this Train Brave thing, so I've just very quickly Googled it, and uh, there's a website called TrainBrave.org. I'll put a link in it in the show notes um, for anyone who wants to have a look at that um, I don't know anything about it but um, <laughs> I'll have a look myself so, yeah well, I think uh, if you're if you're looking for a good uh, source of truth around nutrition mm-hmm. uh, especially you know lifestyle based nutrition lifestyle what I guess what we term the lifestyle medicine um, you know Renny McGregor is the, is, mm-hmm. is the leader in that kind of space and um, you know you could, could do uh, you could do a lot worse than then certainly take some of her ideas and apply them. Yeah, yeah. I will maybe try and get her on the podcast at some point. That would be cool. Yeah. Yeah. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, all right, cool. We've probably got as much out of the two of us on that as we can. It's uh, hopefully useful. Um, I've got a, a couple of questions lined up. So the next episode we'll talk about um, getting back into running after a long sort of term injury. So that's a question I've received from a guy I know called Robin Fordyce. So we'll um, I'll speak about that in the next episode, which will probably be me and Jenny rather than me and Dave. But um, we'll uh, have a think about that and, and speak about it next time. So thanks again to Anne Murray for that question and hopefully you found the answer useful. Um, the next Feature is running stories from a country where we have at least one listener from. So uh, last week we spoke about the ultra runner from China, and this week um, we're going to focus on Greece. So we do have at least one listener from Greece. So if you are from Greece, I hope I say this right, right, Yasu. I think that means hello in Greek. <laughs> if that's you, please send us a message, and hopefully I didn't say that completely wrong. Um, so, I kind of this is kind of ha- a half Greek running story and a half Scottish running story. So, um, right now as we speak, there is um, there is a race going on in or races going on in um, 
Greece, funnily enough, um, and it's a massive ultra one that we're going to speak about. So there's a guy called William, I don't know how to say his name actually, Sickel or Sickle from Orkney, who is between the ages of 65 and 70, because he's a M65 athlete, and he is currently trying to break the 1,000 mile 1,000 mile record um, at the Athens Ultramarathon Festival. So, <laughs> this race has been going on for 15 years, I think, because it's the 15th one. So there's a various, there are various different races across a sort of six-day period or something, and maybe a 15-day period. And uh, but William from Orkney has gone across there to compete. He's got him. This guy is impressive. You need to look him up. Um, I'll put a link to the show notes. He's an ultra runner based in Orkney, and he has a he has a few records to his name. But he's tr- currently trying to break the 1,000 mile record. And this race that he's doing is run on a one-kilometer loop. <laughs> So he's going to be running the same one kilometre loop for 1,600 laps to try and break this record. That is just absolutely mental. So, um, yeah, I'm looking up the... There's a live feed for the results. I'm not sure how up-to-date this is, but he is... That must be... uh, That must be hours, I think. 151 hours into this race and he's covered 421 miles how many days is 100 is that right I'm just doing the math just now I should have done this before 151 divided by yeah so it's almost a week six, yes he's, done, he's, he's, yeah. Yeah, he's, he's just at about a week it's 151 plus 21 hours so he's probably just about done a week and the record is 15 days, 2 hours and 50 minutes. He's maybe just about on course if he keeps that up, I think, if I've done the maths right. So either way, I mean, <laughs> a thousand miles in itself has got to be someone else. But I mean, I'd imagine if I had a thousand mile, a thousand miles to cover on foot, I'd probably rather do it point to point or on one big loop. So I had, you know, one one ultimate goal that I can't imagine doing 1600 laps of the same loop that just that's that's blowing my mind thinking about it Um, Dino what do you think is that something you fancy Dave as an ultra runner going and doing a thousand miles around a 1k loop Um, yeah I think I might not right now anyway I did did read about this uh, Similar race that happens in New York around the yeah. same time of the year, actually, which is the transcendence thing. Yeah, yeah. And they go around this block in New York for like two months. Yeah, <laughs> I think it's it's smaller, isn't it? It's a lot much smaller um, yeah. block, I think. I'm just going to look that one up. Okay. Yeah, I mean that's a that's an incredible feat even just to take on uh, a thousand miles and. Um, yeah, I don't think that's something I'm going to be uh, trying anytime soon. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I mean, this guy, he's got some pretty impressive... Yeah, so the self-transcendence, I'm just looking it up, it's a 3,100 mile race, so it's... That's uh, <laughs> that's a bit more than a 1,000, obviously, but it's, I'm sure it's around... 
quite a short block. I'm trying yeah. To uh, yeah, they go around the same block 5,649 times. Yeah. So I think they do something like 125 laps a day or something like that. Oh, it's just mind-boggling. I mean, we did that... Um, my only experience was even... It's, it's not even close, but my only ultra-running experience was on that... Um, the 12 hour thing we did last year and it was up and down uh, Mortman Hill which we went out for 4 miles turning back for the same 4 miles and I mean that I was okay with that over the course of 12 hours I did like I did 7 laps of the same thing but it's much much longer you know your scenery is changing a lot more even though you see the same thing I mean, I, we, we were speaking about uh, oh, <laughs> on our chat today, Dave, about um, potentially doing something like uh, try to cover the height of Everest uh, and how many laps that would take. And I've forgotten the number now. It was it's 27, I think. 27 laps. Yeah. I mean, which, I mean, to me, 27 sounds like a number that's doable. I know that's crazy because you're talking about over 200 miles. And it sounds like a lot, but I mean, 1,600 laps. Oh, my God. Yeah. So yeah. when when you see the uh, when you see the Explore running uh, Everest edition of Mormon Hill, you've got the uh, Jenny to thank for that one. So yeah, yeah, yeah. It was that idea. So uh, yeah, yeah. And, and I think that's something. It doesn't it doesn't take much to plant a seed in my mind for stuff like this. But uh, you know, I'm not even I don't even class myself as an ultra runner. Having done that one thing, I wouldn't class myself. In any way, but I, I always like the sound of these things, and I, and I know there are people out there who would do them. And uh, yeah, so uh, the, the Everest version of Mormon Hill that that may come next year, maybe I'm not sure. But uh, yes, and then and then one day we'll do the thousand mile version and uh, see see how many folk are up for that. Yeah. <laughs> zero zero entrance. <laughs> zero entrance. Yeah. yeah. So uh, yeah, that's go and check out um, William. Sorry, I'm gonna pronounce this wrong. Sickle or Sickel. Um check out his uh, he's got a, he's got his own website which shows you some of the crazy stuff he's done. Um I'll put a I'll put a link to that and I'll put a link to the the live I think they're live anyway, they look like they would be up to date. But that's ongoing just now, so keep an eye on that, see if he breaks the record. I can't do the master workout if he's on course to break it or not. Um so that's actually brought us to the end. Our, our, I did get a message from uh, Colin Court actually whilst we're recording this, and he somehow uh, emergency came up and he can't uh, come on. So we're not going to have him on this episode, but uh, hopefully get him on a future episode and um, might do a standalone, just a one-to-one interview with him and just release it as a bonus uh, episode or something. But we'll see how that works out. Um, so thanks, Dave, again for coming on really short notice and uh, hopefully you've enjoyed it and we'll get you back on another time if uh, either me or Jenny can't uh, can't make it or maybe just have three of us uh, chatting sometimes that'd be cool um, that would be next. the extra long podcast if that happened yeah. <laughs> yeah. start talking about Everest uh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah so next couple of weeks um, for me more training uh, just keeping on with the routine and getting my sessions in and enjoying them and hopefully getting a bit faster and hopefully when I come round to that 3k race which 
I think it must be two weeks out until looking at the dates. First Friday in February anyway. Um I'll hopefully be able to Yeah, I won't quite go recording in time for that, but I'll hopefully be posting a time that's quicker than the last four times that I've I've ran, that'd be good. Um what about you, Dave? Anything specific coming up or is it just more training? Yeah, I certainly won't be running anything crazy like a three kilometer race. I think that just sounds absolutely brutal. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so for for me, I'm I'm only a few weeks out from I guess the first race in quotes uh, of the season, um, which will be the uh, Fetteresso Forest Marathon. So oh, yeah. it's a it's a really good uh, local race just um, outside Stonehaven. Um, lots of lots of really good trail. I know Jenny's a big fan of it as well. Jenny um, won it last year. Yeah, that's right. Um, <laughs> and uh, there's, you know, it's been it's been lots of different weather. So the first year I did it was snow and ice, which was interesting. Last yeah. year was pretty good. Yeah. Um, so so goodness know what uh, what next year, uh, what this year, sorry, will bring. So, uh, you know, for me it will be will be an out and out race. So the the plans kind of just uh, it's just a training run really as a build up for uh, the rest of the rest of the season really. So it's my plan really at the moment for that is to take the the first half. First half pretty easy, and then kind of attack the second half yeah. just to, to get some to get some good condition in the legs. But it, it's organised by uh, by, uh, by a guy called Chris Cowley, and um, this kind of links to what we we're talking about mental health a little bit earlier. Um, so people may or may not know he's part of the the Pylon Ultra project, which um, is is uh, organised by a guy called Paul Giblin. And there's there's nine of them at the moment. Um, uh, from tomorrow morning, we'll be running from the, the the most westerly part of Scotland, so Cape Wrath, uh, the whole way uh, south towards uh, Kirkyeffan. I hope I've pronounced that properly, but <laughs> that's just on the on the border of Scotland. So if anybody knows the the Montean Spine Race, which just which just ended uh, this weekend, uh, that's where that's where it ends. Um, so okay. those guys and girl um, are are going to be covering, I think it's in the region oh, it's like 568 miles maybe um, and they're planning to do it in in 100 hours um, so it'll take them the whole way through like Ollapool, around Malag, Kingussie, through Fort William past Dundee, Perth, Stirling so they're basically going to be travelling along West Highland Way, Southern Upland Way um, all of those kind of uh Trails and some of them are, you know, completely unmarked and pretty, pretty bad. And uh, for anybody who doesn't know, Cape Wrath is very, very remote. Um, and uh, yeah, so there's they, they'll be they'll be starting their journey tomorrow morning. Um, and their 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 endeavour, as they call it, is to raise as much money for mental health charities as possible. Um, and they're really good advocates for that. So. Um, if you can, uh, and assuming we're listening to this at the at the right time, so 100 hours is not a long time. So um, assuming this is this is going to go out before they finish, um, you know, check out check out where they are and go and join them, or uh, donate some money, or um, you know, even just as a reminder to uh, talk about those important things that we were talking earlier. So yeah, yeah, I, we're going to bring this up during the mental health bit, but uh, we forgot. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I. I Completely forgotten about it. So yes, yeah, Pylon Endeavour 2020 out of the wild. I'm just looking at this now. So they, it's Pylon, which has got two L's in it. Pylon slash Endeavour. Um, I'll put a link again to that in the show notes. You can check it out. So yeah, I, I hadn't actually looked at the detail of this until right now, but they're 
So it's 870 kilometers or 537 miles, and they're they're doing so they're all running this right. They're all trying to cover the full distance in 100 hours. Because yeah, the last one they were doing a bit of a relay thing. They did the no, West, West yeah, Highway down and back. They're yeah, doing this is a relay, but this is they're all running the full whack. No, this is this is, this is a relay as well. So they oh, it's a, it is a relay. Yeah. Ah, sorry. Yeah. So there will be at some points where there's two runners running together just because of the remoteness. Uh, so I think until about day two or so, there's uh, certainly going to be a couple of runners. So until they get to uh, okay. uh, basically almost Fort Augustus. So, yeah. Yeah, sorry. No, I was I was understanding that. Yeah, that would have been a bit crazy trying to run that yourself in 100 yeah. hours. <laughs> so, yeah, it was just because it says on their thing we're hoping to set a winter record at 100 hours. So this must have been done as a relay in the past, and they're trying to do the same thing. Or they're the first ones to do it, and therefore they want to set the record, and they're setting it, going for under 100 hours. So uh, Yeah, the, la- the last one they did, as you say, was West Highland Bay out and back, which they were going to try and do in 24 hours. Yeah, they were right. shy, shy about five minutes or something. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, here we go. So there will be nine runners, and the relay will run continuously from north to south. We're aiming to complete within 100 hours. But we will be at the mercy of the weather conditions. If you want to follow your favourite runner, either out in the course or on the live tracker, we'll post full information here before we start. So that's all on that same page. Cool. So yeah, check that out. So yeah, you you were talking about the Fetteresu Trail Marathon, and I was going to say something about that, and I've forgotten what it was now. You've distracted my train of thought. <laughs> um, uh, oh yeah, no, it was, it was more about your uh, goals for the year, actually. Just in case we don't get mm. you back on, what are, what races are you going for this year? Uh, so yeah, so got the the fair, as I just mentioned. Then it'll be into the nice normal pattern of um, uh, of D thirty three. Then followed. Uh, remember, D thirty three was when I this time last year was when I actually ran the the D ninety nine. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So. Yeah. That'll, that'll bring back the loss of memories, I'm sure. Um, <laughs> so D33 was a build-up to uh, the um, Highland Fling, which is uh, the first half of the West Highland Way. Yeah. Uh, so from the guy to Tyndrum. Uh, and then followed by another race in, in July time, which is called uh, the, the Race Against the Tide, is the, is the dub name for. So it starts from uh, Melrose in, in the borders of Scotland and goes along the uh, St. Cuthbert's Way, uh, all the way to Northumberland, and uh, ends on a on an island called Holy Island, which um, some people might know is uh, completely it's you know a little island which you, ha- you can only cross when the tide is out. Uh, so that's where the name Race Against the Tide comes from. You have to get to the coastline uh, before the tide comes in, or you DNF the race with uh, only uh-huh. five kilometers to go. So uh-huh. we. we, we we better pressure on that one. Um, so that's a that's a 100k race, um, and then I'm doing the Type Two Ultra not long after that, which is more of a orienteering based race over 30 hours. So starts in Raymar, Balterway, somewhere like that, and it's basically you've got uh, checkpoints of different differing values, and the idea is to try and pick up as many points as possible in the 30 hours. So um, that relies really heavily on the navigation skills, so it's less about speed and more about strategy, which um, I'm looking forward to that challenge. And uh, lastly, uh, I'd, I'd always wanted to do another 100 miler, as, as I'm sure you're, you're aware of. And I was going to do this white horse one September, which went around all these white horses right, uh, down south. But 
wasn't able to for for uh, childcare reasons. But today I find this one called the the Pilgrims the Pilgrims Way Ultra, which, funny enough, starts on Holy Island <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and uh, basically goes all the way up through the Saint uh, Saint Oswald's Way, I believe it's called, um, and then up uh, Hadrian's Wall. Um, so right through the heart of Northumberland. So I'm 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 committed to entering that one now, and uh, that'll be that'll be September time. So cool. Uh, September. So yeah. yeah. What date? It's twenty fourth, I think. Something twenty sixth. Twenty sixth. That's a week after the the Mormon Hill one, so that'll be yeah. a nice warm up for you. <laughs> <laughs> I might just do one lap that week. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um. I was gonna say. So yeah. yeah. We're also we're having our crazy chat about Everest uh, runs. You also mentioned this race, and you said um, it starts at the finish point of that other race, the, the race against the tide. And you yeah. said somebody's going to have the crazy idea of joining them together. Yeah. So, so you you've had that crazy idea. <laughs> so yeah. Anyone listening, um, the race organizer down there, Dave wants to do them back to back. So <laughs> um, yeah. Which would be what 160 miles, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, 160 or something. Right? Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Cool. Uh, all right, that <laughs> yeah, all of those races. I mean, they all sound epic when you talk about these ultra runs in comparison to, you know, I'm, uh, I'm going to do some 10k races, uh, a couple of park runs, and a few 3k races in the first half of the year, and then I'm uh, committed to doing the Sterling Marathon in October. So, yeah, uh, yeah that's a totally different. Totally different sport, almost. You know, I'll be training specifically for try to go faster. You know, and uh, you're going to be training to go longer, effectively. Uh, um, yeah. And yeah, your 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 trig point race, the orienteering one, is it's all down to strategy, and that's much different from just head down running one right, point yeah. to the next as hard as fast as you can, sort of thing. So. Yeah. Yeah, that all sounds pretty cool. So, um, yeah, hopefully we will get you back on to chat about some or all of these things at some point. Um, but best of luck if uh, anyway, whether we do or don't. So, yeah, that's just going to wrap it up now, I suppose. So we've the usual plug for Explore Running. Uh, go and check us out on facebook.com slash Explore Running or um, the website, which isn't really up to date. So maybe best just to look at the Facebook page. Um, I said last time that the group trail runs have made a comeback, so we've uh, been up Mormont Hill and the the bin at Huntley just last weekend. Uh, so that's a couple of runs in, and uh, everyone seems to have had really good feedback. The social runs just come and join us. We we sort of go at the pace of whoever the slowest runner is, and make sure everybody. Uh, can catch up and nobody gets left behind that sort of thing and, and you know it's uh, pretty cool so we just decided what we're doing next so uh, well I say decided the next one's still to be confirmed effect, uh, what we're actually going to do but on the 6th of February we're going to be heading out to hunting which is quite relevant to what we're just speaking about so uh, Dave's going to be hopefully um, guiding us around that or maybe Jenny uh, or both. Uh, it's not really my area of expertise, um, but we're going to work out our route and uh, post that soon on Facebook. So that's 6 February, and we have plans what we're doing for the next one. So we're going to have two next month, and the other one's the 22nd of February, and it's going to be running from Peterhead 
the sort of coastal town northeast of Scotland, uh, just under 10 miles along a thing called, which will mainly be on the Buchan coastal path, I think you call it, uh, along the coast there to New Slane's Castle, which is a little town called Cruden Bay, and for those who have heard of Count Dracula and Bram Stoker, that was apparently uh, one of his inspirations for his book, he stayed at Cruden Bay back in the whatever it was when he wrote that book, and um, he spent a lot of time looking at the, the, the castle and on the cliffs and all the rest of it, so yeah, that's a pretty cool draw, and I think there's quite a lot of interest in that already, having just posted it on Facebook today, so yeah, give us a shout if you want to join us, um, that'll be cool, and for anyone who lives locally, who knows anyone wanting to get into running, we've got a beginner's group uh, in Strickland on Thursday mornings, check out the Facebook page this week only, although this won't be out in time for you to hear this, probably it's on Friday, but so normally it's Thursday mornings, and of course I still do training plans for runners, so anyone who needs some help with their structuring their training, give me a shout, there's different options, check out the Facebook page for that again, and the big one that I mentioned last week is we're hoping to put on some races this year, one or two or more races, um, and they will generally be quite interesting races for want of a better word, and one we've spoken about is a castle to castle marathon, so two local castles in the northeast. Um, it's almost bang on a marathon distance between them on the route we've kind of thought about, and part of that will be the same route we do at that Peterhead to Slane's Castle, so will be the end of the, the marathon route, so hopefully we'll get that up and going this year. Keep an eye out for that again, Facebook page is where it will all be up. Dated. So yeah, thanks for listening and if you're listening on iTunes, give us a rating and subscribe and whatever else you listen, it helps with um, visibility and it helps with uh, attracting some guests who hopefully do actually dial in when they say they're going to dial in, emergencies aside. Um, and yeah, thanks again. So cheers Dave, anything to add? Well, that's that's it for me. I'm sure I'll see some of you at these uh, runs, uh, um, and uh, hopefully, yeah, we can get a a, tr- a trig one sorted out because you might need to change it from explore running to get lost running. Um, <laughs> if we don't, if we don't nail that one. So it's just the same thing, isn't it? We get lost. <laughs> yeah. <in it>. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, we don't. We don't get lost. That's not true. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, the, the trick one will be cool. It'll be, uh, it won't be a, a specifically planned route, so we won't actually know where we're going. We'll have maps and stuff out and try to go from uh, trig point to trig point, I guess, uh, and see how how it goes. Uh, yeah, cool. All right. Well, catch you later, Dave. Thanks again for joining us. Um, speak to you soon. All right, everyone. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.